0: You, know, you want to you wanna have a little blast from the past? Hmm. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: my goodness. I
0: still remember that night. Paige, if you loved me, you'd bring me food. <laughs> oh, that was a different night. That was a oh, different yeah, night, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the first yep. night, I just brought you Dunkin' Donuts because I was like, oh, my God, yeah. it's his first day. The second time, it was... Page, do you love me? Yeah,
1: I don't have any food. Will you bring me Wendy's? <laughs> Please bring me food. I'm Okay. The o- I'm the only one here. Yep. It was very nice of you. What
0: time was that? It was late.
1: Yeah, it was, it was like one or two in the morning, I think.
0: <laughs> it was the funniest call I've gotten from you, I think.
1: Welcome to episode 40, 40, 40 episodes of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach.
0: My name is Paige.
1: Can you tell I'm excited?
0: I can tell. I appreciate the enthusiasm, however forced it may be. (laughs)
1: It was maybe half forced. I mean, I'm I'm excited. It's you know, it's another milestone. Every tens, you know, yeah. it's like a birthday when people like a birthday. people turn their tens. Our first
0: ten was the best,
1: though. It really was.
0: <laughs> Get the trombone out. <laughs> got the balloons.
1: Yeah. Episode forty. Um, we made it. We've got a cool. we got a cool surprise that I I've been keeping a secret from Paige. Yeah,
0: he's not. Later told on, me.
1: Um, and this is going to be a cool episode because we are talking about Area Fifty One. Yes, uh,
0: which very topical considering that the government was going to release all the information they had on yeah. extraterrestrials.
1: I I haven't really been following that super closely, um, but I've heard like you know some blips about it. I should look on Reddit to do some investigating. I don't.
0: That's not news.
1: I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm not on. I'm not on Facebook, and I'm not. I don't have cable, so I don't get my news really anywhere else besides Reddit, or if I'm at work and the TV's on.
0: That's, that's the neckbeards' news.
1: Sure. call call it whatever you want but um yeah i I, I saw governments being a little more transparent about things and uh it's interesting i need to to look into that so it is a little topical and uh my my story is going to be uh somewhat topical too and i'm excited to hear all about area 51 and learn about things that i i didn't know about i years ago i I don't know, it was like, I went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, you know? where oh, you just all like, the time? Yep.
0: You just click on leaks, left and right. Yep,
1: and then one of them was Area 51, so I remember just reading a bunch of stuff and doing my own investigating.
0: Dangerous. Uh, I, I, think I, I think I ended up looking up a movie on Wikipedia once, and then I ended up on um, rocket science.
1: <laughs>
0: like, the science of rockets, and I was reading about it, and I'm just like, this is physics. How what the
1: hell I- did I get here? Where am I? Four hours later. <laughs> um, and it, what's also cool The podcast I've been listening to Their latest episode They actually were, were talking about Area 51 uh, A little bit They mentioned a couple documentaries about it And I, I've been meaning to look at them Check them out But I haven't done that yet yeah. There's there's so much So many videos and movies about it There's
0: so, <laughs> there's so much that you want to do as well Yeah You just keep adding to your list of things yeah.
1: <clears throat> But before we get into Everything there is to know Everything that we can know about Area 51. That
0: was deep. I liked that.
1: Yeah. Uh, recap of, uh, I got a few things actually written down here. And I wrote one down for you. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that was, that was your week? <laughs>
0: uh, it was fine. I spent time with some friends. I got to hang out with you and, and Jack yesterday. Mr. That Jack, that was nice. Mr. Jack, you made me a delicious Moscow mule. Probably the best mm-hmm. mule you ever made me. Oh, wow. Um, it was good. It was well done. <laughs> Um, I just, I don't know. I haven't really worked this week because I requested some time off. So I really only worked like two days or one day. It's good. Because I was, you know, just like, I randomly like requested some time off and I was like, yeah, why not?
1: I should do that more. Yeah, honestly. It's nice.
0: It's nice to just relax and not worry about work, mm-hmm. which my job doesn't really require much worry in the first place. So mm-hmm. I'm very lucky in that aspect.
1: You get to catch up on life a little bit. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was telling you today I got like a bunch of stuff done. Yeah, just like basic around the house errands, groceries, hair dye. Productive. I got my car cleaned. Finally, um, I think that's about it. Oh, I was going to tell you the thing that you told that you wrote down for me. Mm. Um, I signed up for a COVID nineteen study. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right.
0: So it's a study for a new vaccine.
1: Is it like the booster?
0: No, it's a study for a brand new vaccine entirely. Oh, so
1: like Johnson Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer. It's a new new one. Okay.
0: So I signed up for a study, a paid study, because I was like, I haven't gotten my vaccine, so why not? Okay. So it's it's really interesting. Basically, they gave me the, this whole consent form and everything, and they went over these questionnaires with me about like making sure I am like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? G- allowed to do something, but it's a specific word. Eligible. Oh. <laughs> Eligible Uh to make sure I'm eligible to do it. And you're like, okay, yeah, you're good. They even did like a video conference with me to like ask me all these questions. Yeah, it was very interesting. Okay. Um, My appointment for the first day is on Monday. But the thing is, it's either the new vaccine or it's a placebo.
1: Oh, and you don't know.
0: And I don't know. That's a blind Mm. study. So I have to keep an electric diary um, like online and like Mm. jot down how I'm feeling. It's a year long study. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, why not? What the heck? It's pretty cool. Yeah, I get paid like 350 for each visit. There's eight visits.
1: Wow. Holy shit. I gotta that's go amazing. all the way to the city, but yeah.
0: parking's paid for, so whatever.
1: Excellent. That's very cool. How did you find out about that?
0: Yeah, there's a website you can go on that's literally just for studies, and I was looking for a study for depression meds. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see what's new Because mm. I'm always interested And I can bring it up to my doctor And be like Hey this is new This is happening You know Would you recommend this And I originally signed up For a nasal spray depression study It's a nasal spray medicine
1: Interesting Interesting
0: And I stumbled across this COVID one while I was just flipping through it because sometimes it's interesting to like look and see what people are like testing for. Mm -hmm. There's one for like pregnant women and there's one for like people with diabetes. Mm -hmm. It's just very interesting. And a lot of them are paid. It's a good way to make like quick cash if you ever want to do that. I recommend it for people. Um, It's completely safe. It's uh, I think it's a government website. So you're not getting anything crazy. And you can do your research on it, and you can do the research on the pharmaceutical company.
1: Can you find it like on Google, like yeah. government study or whatever you're searching? Yeah, just type to... in
0: um, medical study, paid medical study, and you'll get like a list of all studies in the United States, and I think in other countries that are occurring, and you can narrow it down to your area. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that. I go on Monday for my first meeting.
1: That is pretty damn cool. So, yeah, it sounds like easy, easy money, and then you're helping uh, other people out too, helping society, helping research. It's pretty neat.
0: I also think I'm going to start, I was going to tell you, I think I'm going to start volunteering at um, homeless shelters. Okay. Or like a soup kitchen or something. I feel nice. like I can do more than just give homeless people that are standing on the side of the road money.
1: Yeah. It's, like I can do
0: that and I can do something better. Sure.
1: Yeah, much, much more productive too. That's uh, very
0: generous. So I think I'm going to do that in my downtime.
1: That's something I, I should do. Something I'd like to do. What about you? Excellent. Uh... <clears throat> I wrote a couple things down. On the subject of COVID, uh, I went to Meyer mm-hmm. shopping for groceries, and I was walking around. I had my mask on, and I saw a lot of people were in the store not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I know things are getting a little more lax, but I don't remember seeing anything about you know you can just walk around without a mask now
0: the cdc guidelines say that if you've been vaccinated you're allowed to be inside without a mask right
1: yeah i uh i remember because that that was like a couple months ago when that was released on their website being indoors if you're fully vaccinated however private businesses still have the option for Mm -hmm. you know they can set their own rules majority
0: i think of large businesses are just waving it and being like yeah you can just come in i know the building that i work in they're fine with it
1: yeah and it, in my job too we recently if you're fully vaccinated we you don't have to wear masks anymore but uh yeah private businesses so it's still important to check to see so every place i walk into i look on their yeah on their door and, i think and majority
0: look. of the small businesses are keeping it because mm-hmm. it's a much more enclosed space mm-hmm. and they're privately owned so it'd be very hard for them to bounce back from a uh, coronavirus outbreak if they right. were to get it i i think it's frustrating because people could just say that they got the vaccine and the companies aren't going to allot man hours to check your vaccine card and that's not something they want to do because then it's like
1: yeah there's still there's still people out there that do not like wearing masks have never liked wearing masks and now they have this opportunity to be out in public whether they're vaccinated or not, exactly. Without wearing one, but yeah, that's that's a good point. But I, when I was walking out of Meijer, I looked on the on the outside window, and it's like fully vaccinated people do not need to wear masks. I was like, oh, I was pleasantly surprised. And um, same thing with Jewel. Uh, they, they didn't have a sign though. I went to Jewel today. There was no sign at Jewel. I'm fully vaccinated, but I've, every business I've walked into, I still have my mask on. I don't know why. I Feel
0: more comfortable, yeah. Just because I don't, just because there's a vaccination doesn't mean it's not still spreading.
1: Yeah, and I, it just, it's more for. I feel like more for other people too than just for myself. It's just why I'm wearing it. I'm sure eventually when, when the state, the full state opens up, it, which should be within the next couple of weeks, I don't know. So my headline, I read, um, I won't be wearing one anymore. But then I went to uh, Creighton Barrel. I got those glasses. Mm-hmm. And they still have the everyone needs a mask sign mm-hmm. up on the. So, yeah, yeah make sure. You're, when it's you're, just
0: easier to always have a mask with you because right. you don't know what's going on. It's much more convenient for the business just to be mm-hmm. like, hey, it's for the employees, really.
1: Yeah. Extra precaution. You know, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I saw some employees at Jewel that weren't wearing Yeah, ma- there's masks some there, so. that
0: are being allowed not to. I yeah. think, um um, it really depends on the business and what they decide and about being vaccinated.
1: But that's good news. It's uh, a little uplifting. Um, there was uh, apparently a lot of officers at... Changing subjects. There was a lot of officers at the Charlestown Mall here. Uh-huh. That's uh, on 64 Main Street in the east side of town. There were like nine officers doing a detail. And we found out that it was for a movie shoot. Oh. That... Um, they're filming a an Amazon, brand new Amazon movie series Oh. called Paper Girls. Oh. And I looked it up. I didn't know what it was. Apparently, it was a comic book series back oh. in the day. And it's about four girls who are newspaper delivery girls. Mm-hmm. And they are visited by some time travelers. <laughs> and they get into some... Thing it says the girls become unwillingly caught up in the conflict between two warring factions of time travelers. And I was looking. There's. It uh,
0: seems interesting. See,
1: Paper Girls Amazon series casts its four leads. So there's articles. If you if you search up Paper Girls on Google, you can find out about the shooting. Yeah, there's the four girls that they cast. So and it's taking place. Uh, apparently, part of it's taking place over at the mall. The mall since been since abandoned. It's not a, really a mall anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big empty store. So they were using that for a filming set, which I thought was pretty neat.
0: Oh, it's interesting. Okay.
1: The beer for episode 40 about Area 51 is called, uh, I don't, it's something French. Chroniques. Okay. Chroniques Vic Secret is the name of the beer. Okay. Chroniques Vic Secret. It is by St. Errant Brewing. Okay. St. Errant Brewing. They do not have a tap room. They're so such a small nano brewery, microbrewery, whatever you want to call it. They don't have a physilo- physical location. Um, they I mean, they have a location, obviously where they're brewing, but it's not a tap room. It's not an open sure. place you can visit. So Saint Arant is a small batch nano brewery inspired by travels and friendships made with the ever growing community of craft brewers. Our name is inspired by our beginning our beginnings brewing five gallon batches almost anywhere. At home, at a homebrew club, and friends' backyards. So, I don't, maybe I, I stand corrected. I don't know that they have a physical location that they brew beer, but I don't know. It sounds like they've been doing it a lot of places. Arant, which is an adjective, uh, it means erring or straying from the proper course or standards, or traveling in search of adventure. Mm-hmm. Arant. We currently, it's from their website, we currently do not have a tap room, but see our beer finder for the locations you can currently purchase our beer. And they have a whole list on their website. Mm -hmm. And that's all they have on their website. Very basic. You can view the beers that they have. That says a little blurb about them. They have a lot of beers available. So you can follow them, find them at St. Arant Brewing, E-R-R-A-N-T, on Facebook and Instagram, and then St. Arant Brew on Twitter. And this is uh, apparently the two guys... Fancy looking. Yeah, don't they look cool? They're at a wedding uh, for... I thought I'd jot this down. They were at uh, Transient Artisan Ales' wedding. So it apparently people who worked at Transient Artisan Ales, they were Get married. getting married. So they've done a lot of collaborations between Transient and themselves. Oh, that's interesting. So they've released a few different beers <laughs> uh, and, and collabs with them. It's pretty neat. So this beer isn't listed on their website anymore. According to their Instagram, it looks like it was first released around early November 2020. So pretty mm. kind of recently. This is the description from Untapped: A series of hazy IPAs that focuses on single hop varietals, double dry hopped IPA with Vic's Secret. So the Chroniques line is exactly that. Chronique. Uh, this is a definition, is, a, is an obsolete noun of French origin meaning chronic or a chronicle, something which continues over an extended period of time. So the beer is Chroniques Vic Secret. So they've done a few of these. Citra was their first, Chroniques Citra, released October 2020, followed up by Vic Secret November, and then uh, Chroniques Strata in December. They've done three so far. Okay. So the only hop that was used in this brew was Vic Secret Hops.
0: Oh, okay. The
1: only one. So that's. They, they brew these Chroniques beers using one hop only. Interesting. Um, first one, Citra. Last one, Strata. So we'll talk about um, Vic Secret. I added in here that we will talk about Vic Secret, but then I didn't do my research on Vic Secret. Ooh. So let me. i really slacking. Fun fact they have uh, some stouts available in their lineup, Santa Rot Brewing, and they distribute them in tiny little eight ounce cans. They look adorable.
0: Baby cans!
1: <laughs> They're like half size cans. Aww. Uh, for stouts, specifically. Baby cake. I think that's a great idea, you know?
0: Yeah, because a freaking 16 ounce is it's, too much of stout. rich,
1: exactly. How many times have we poured a stout and had like four sips and that can't was do it? That was it. That's all we could handle. Yep. So this is a New England IPA. Uh, how many New England IPAs have we had so far? I have no idea. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to talk about something else. Not New England IPAs. Here are some amazing beer world records. Okay. The strongest beer in the world comes from Franconia in the north of Bavaria. It's called... Uh, Scher, sure. <laughs>
0: it's called sure. Scher. Scherschbach
1: Scher, 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 57 from Brauerei. It's German. Can you tell? A little. It has 57.5% ABV. Jesus. Uh, the longest storage... Alcoholic beers can be stored for a long time. Boston-based Samuel Adams Brew in the U.S. states of Massachusetts produces Utopias, a deep black beer with 27% alcohol. It matures in the barrel for up to 16 years and is sold at a price of around 180 U.S. dollars. Damn! The fastest beer, amazing but true, in uh, 1977, American Stephen Petrosino managed to down a liter of beer in 1.3 seconds. Bring it on. A record that to this day has not been broken. All right, let's go. An Englishman, Peter Doudswell, drank 45 liters in three hours. That's a lot of beer. So he landed in the Guinness World Records. How do
0: you not get like stomach poisoning? How do you not die? alcohol poisoning yeah. from that? That's a lot of alcohol.
1: Uh, the most expensive beer, Danish Brewery Carlsberg, produces a vintage beer that can be kept for 50 years. It's 270 euros per bottle. Uh, something around $300, $300. Price was topped only once before with another lager. Uh, auctioned for €11,000. Uh, there's a world record for the longest beer table, biggest consumers. Fastest bottle opener. Uh, opened 2,000 beer bottles in 24 minutes. It's an average of 10 bottles in around 7 seconds.
0: Oh, That's random. What a random, like...
1: I feel like I could top that. 10 bottles in 7 seconds.
0: That's if you get it lined up properly on each time.
1: Oh, yeah. You got to have, like, you know, I'm imagining, like, a line of bottles. 2,000 bottles. Fastest pourer. 2009, this guy poured out 250 glasses of beer from a 50-liter barrel in just 4 minutes and 55 seconds. Wow. Not a single drop was spilled. Impressive. Impressive. Furthest throw of a beer bottle. Uh, Okay.
0: (laughs) Now we're just getting silly.
1: Uh, World record uh, set by Helmut Maschel. Mask Masakrokawicz, from Belarus, who in '95 threw a beer bottle a distance of 82 meters. What is uh, that in America? What is that in America? 82 meters. Mm. 0.05 mile. How many feet is that? Yeah, that's Might better. be better. That's better. 269 feet.
0: Okay, that's impressive. That's once uh, you put it in feet, it's yeah. impressive. <laughs> when it's in miles, it's a little bit like, <laughs> huh? Okay.
1: And then carrying the most glasses at once, uh, Munich Oktoberfest. Uh, One that was recorded was that by Oliver Strumpfel, a beer waiter from Abensburg in Bavaria, who in 2013 managed to carry 27 liter glasses at once over a distance of 40 meters.
0: Honestly, I think a girl should try that because our grip strength and our (laughs) dexterity with our fingers is insane. I'm just saying, like, I can grab things like... (laughs)
1: Like a bag and a Starbucks thing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I just mean like... I'm good at juggling things around in my hands.
1: You've seen uh, pictures. You know? I could totally
0: do that. That's insane. I am confident. I and could do it. And then the that. amount of weight, too. I could do it. It's ridiculous. Feel these biceps.
1: Hmm. Film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then- Mama didn't come to play. <laughs> And then the Vic Secret Hops, which I promised I'd talk about but didn't put in my section, is says it's fairly new to the game, only being introduced in 2013. Okay. She hails from the same Australian and UK roots of her sister Topaz Hops. Ooh. Anticipate flavors and aromatics of clean pineapple and passion fruit with okay. a slight resinous whiff lingering in the background. Vic Secret's approachability and high alpha acid content make her a nice addition to any hop forward beer style. Her characteristics are best highlighted in a Whirlpool of or dry hop editions. Vic Secret possesses similar yet lighter characteristics than her pure Galaxy, but she's no less of a breakout star in her own right. So, came from Australia. Sweet, fruit, woody, aromatic and herbal. She likes sitting in the sun, yeah.
0: She's just out cold.
1: This beer uh Vic Secret 7. 5 ABV uh, unknown IBU or SRM Mm -hmm. no score on beer advocate one review one rating uh, and that's gives it an average of 4.21 I'm going to read this review first because it really it's not really a review it kind of sums up the beer this is by Hophead Jeffrey on beer advocate uh reviewed 11 10 of 20 November 10th last year this isn't really a review. Tasted in a Spiegelau IPA glass from a 12-fluid ounce can on November 9th, 2020. Hazy IPA that is double dry hopped with Vic Secret Hops. I found this to be excellent. So the whole thing was just completely objective, minus the last sentence, I found this to be excellent. So what? that's kind of a shitty review, in, um, my, in my opinion. I would say he so. He just kind of described the beer and what he enjoyed it in
0: interesting
1: but it'll it should be fun not a whole lot of information about the brewery not a whole lot of information about the beer but this is gonna be a Vic secret new england ipa hazy ipa we're gonna see how it tastes i'll grab a beer okay okay i'm gonna need you what close your eyes oh okay keep them closed my eyes are closed Keep
0: them closed. They are closed. Okay, keep them closed. My eyes are closed, Zachary. Keep them closed. They're still closed. Excellent. Keep them closed. Oh, my God. (laughs) I will not open my eyes until you say open your eyes. All right,
1: perfect. Open your eyes. Okay. We have Spiegelau IPA glasses now. Oh, look at that. That is my surprise. I went to Crate and Barrel and bought those also.
0: Fancy, fancy. We
1: finally have a new beer glass um that's not a wine glass to try beer out of uh so this is the same glass that hophead jeffrey <laughs> tried to
0: right. tried this beer
1: out of so um
0: we're uh, we're up and coming
1: yeah we're getting we're moving on up you can see at the bottom of the glass it says uh, Spiegelau if you I look see inside that. of it so uh there's a little bit of history about these glasses this is um it, it more talks about the type of the glass
0: okay
1: uh so Spiegelau is a company out of germany In collaboration with two of the leading IPA brewers in the United States, Sam Caliguan of Dogfish Head Mm -hmm. and Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada, Spieglau, one of the world's oldest glassmakers, has created the new standard for IPA beer glassware. Achieved through a series of design and tasting workshops in which hundreds of possible designs were considered, the brewers ultimately and unanimously chose, by secret vote, one glass. Number six. Secret vote. This one. From a final lineup of eight custom-made prototypes, the Rippled Pedestal Base and Round Bowl showcase the varying aromatic profiles of this hop-forward beer, preserving its frothy head and volatile components while maintaining a wide opening for the drinker to comfortably nose the beer. Hmm. So it's supposed to be uh, a good uh, beer vessel to enjoy IPAs out of. Okay. So, it's supposed to enhance your IPA drinking experience. Yeah, me too. This is new. Very cool.
0: I was just expecting you to say that you had a surprise bonus beer. Was not expecting this. Oh, I like the canyon that's on this. That's very cute.
1: The um, Chroniques cans all kind of look similar. So, this is uh, Strata from their Instagram. Oh, yeah, they do. And then the one before that was citra which i think you can still get
0: oh that looks pretty
1: yeah so they all have the same sort of it's like a little little hut
0: man i like when it says what it's good paired
1: with uh yeah i mean hazy ipa i think we've gone over that before too so
0: yeah but it's always different can Mm. you open this yeah thank you my nails are short now Thank
1: you. If you go on craftbeer.com, you can look up individual beer styles, and we've covered... If you want to listen to you know us talk about New England IPAs, check out one of our other episodes. Our beer list is at bit.ly slash beer list. You can see which episodes we did Appreciate it. New England IPAs for, and there's one that where we talked about what most of them are.
0: I like don't want to get my fingerprints on this glass.
1: Good to be paired with. No, it's fine.
0: Oh. Oh, phone follow me. <laughs> don't make fun of me it smells so good from back here oh that smells good these glasses are real good they're right. cute
1: I am in love with these glasses <laughs> aren't they cool mm-hmm
0: Look how lingering that head is holy cow yeah it does not go away
1: Wow yeah this one sticks around frothy um we it's been a while since we had a New England IPA, but the last 10 beers, within the last 10 beers we've had, I think maybe four of them, and they've all kind of had a similar sort of lingering head on there.
0: I have like one little pour left, and I just want to get it in there. <laughs> Go away, head.
1: I smell, um, I definitely smell pineapple. I smell maybe a little bit of pear, like sweet fruits. You I know.
0: mostly just get the... The piney resin at the, the smell—I mm-hmm. think I get most of the fruit in the taste. I can smell a little bit of pineapple, but that that hoppy resin is definitely yeah. the most predominant.
1: This beer smells amazing.
0: <laughs> I got it all in there. Got it. Ooh,
1: <laughs> it smells so good. It's I just why I keep smelling it.
0: Yeah, it just smells great. Um, it's very much orange juice.
1: Mm-hmm. Hazy IPA, New yeah, England IPA. They
0: always look like orange juice.
1: To forty episodes. What
0: a tiny clink.
1: Yeah. Ooh.
0: That's smooth.
1: Interesting.
0: Okay. All right. Wow. A little bit of a bite in the tongue from the hop, but really not bad. Not overwhelming in any way.
1: Yeah, just a little bit, slight.
0: I feel like the glass makes this an experience. <laughs> like I don't want to be like, you must have your salad fork with your salad. But I'm just saying you might
1: be right. Yeah, there's probably something to these glasses. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, it's very smooth. And um, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember what the other New England IPAs tasted like. The ones that we tried recently. This one might be might be my favorite out of the lot. But
0: I am not mad.
1: Good. I, I never want to make you mad on the show.
0: I mean, I was a little bit mad about the strawberry one where you tried to poison me. I but. was upset
1: too, but um, that's good. I'm glad. You're, I'm glad you're not mad. <clears throat> what does it taste like?
0: Hmm. Definitely get the pineapple. Yeah. Very predominant. That hoppy pine that's in every IPA.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's not as. Uh, I feel like it's not as. In your face.
0: No, not really. You know,
1: remember uh, Shapes and Lines? That was Transient. That was the first uh, New England IPA we had out of the last ten. That one was definitely very grassy and farmy tasting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This one, really not a whole lot of that. I feel like the fruit's a little more forward. Lacing on the glass is good. What'd you call them? Stumps? Stumps. Yeah. Glass stumps are good.
0: Because wine has legs, beer has stumps.
1: I am in love with these glasses. I think um, any IPA we have... I've just... Obviously, we'll, love them. we'll use these.
0: I'm trying to... I feel like there's more, because there's more besides the pineapple. There's more besides the hop, and I cannot place my finger on what that flavor is.
1: It is a very smooth mm-hmm. uh, sipping beer. It goes down real easy, and the bitter bitterness isn't overwhelming on it.
0: No, it's just like this pleasant bite to it that makes it, like, not... It makes it not just fruit punch or not fruit punch, but not just juice. Yeah. It gives it that. This is what makes it an adult beverage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. <clears throat> You're not just drinking like pineapple, orange juice or mm-hmm. whatever, you know,
0: I want to say grapefruit, but that could just be because I compare the bitterness of grapefruit juice to the hop. But yeah. grapefruit juice is that bitterness is there.
1: The burp is uh sweet
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A little, a little, I had a rolling
1: one. A rolling one? Yeah, a rolling burp. I don't know. It's just, it's pleasant. Very. It's bright. It's, I think we just like IPAs more than anything. You know, what's funny is that um, listening back to some of our older stuff, we were very critical about IPAs. Yes,
0: very much so. Yeah.
1: And uh, now it's, you know, we've come to love them and enjoy them after 40 episodes. They're, Uh, they're pleasant. We've had some not so good ones, we've had very good ones. So they're all different.
0: I'm very excited for the beers that I picked out. I did my, my head shopping I was telling you about. Um, I picked out my next four episodes. That's crazy. I found some very interesting beers that I'm very excited for. Okay. I found one that's completely different than one we've tried before.
1: Ooh. So I don't think we've ever had one of these. Okay. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the flavor key for the Vic Secret Hops, sweet fruit, woody aromatic, and herbal. hmm and since that's the only hop that's in this beer, I mean that's it's hit, hitting all three of those. I Very think. much so. Oh, and I'm looking on the um, on the can. You know, they don't have a uh, brew pub like we mentioned. This one says brewed and canned at Temperance Beer Company, 2000 Dempster Street in Evanston, Illinois. So I guess they've been you know collaborating with other breweries using their equipment, and Saint Arant has their own. Hops, probably, their own um, materials and ingredients. And uh, they, they just kind of borrow people's stuff and make their beer. And I think that's really cool. Store cold, drink fresh. Artwork by Hugo Trejo. Trejo. So uh, my number one for the last 10 beers we've tried was Brunch Punch Fruit Punch, the sour ale. That we had last week for episode 39, that unfortunately uh, Paige was allergic to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I almost killed her. Uh, My number two, Bel Air Sour Key Lime, episode 33, the second sour ale that we had. And then my number three in third place, West Coast Wizard, the American IPA for episode 32. Your number one uh, was Bel Air Sour Key Lime, Mm -hmm. first sour ale. Number two, Food Truck, the Pilsner. That was a good beer. And then number three, wrapped in cashmere. By Urban I liked Brew Lamps a lot of your 35. beers this round. Yeah, and we had we had a little bit of we there we did have one two, one two three four New England IPAs. Oh, we did one American IPA. So five of those episodes were IPAs. But other than that, I think we had a pretty good pretty good variety. We had a pilsner. We had a couple of sour ales, a couple of wild ales, mm-hmm. had a stout. So yeah, it was a good. Uh, it's been a good past. Uh,
0: what was your number ten?
1: My number 10 was um, Secret Savages.
0: What was my number 10?
1: <laughs> brunch, 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 <laughs> brunch. What do you think? Um, yeah, so overall, uh, it was kind of a little bit polarizing. Um, so there weren't a whole lot of beers that were like, you know, more towards the top. But the cumulatively, the best beer that we had was Bel Air Sour Key Lime. It was my number two, your number one. And the worst beer, cumulatively, was Secret Savages by Steve Floyd's, the Wild Ale. Weird beer. It was a weird beer. Very unique. Not necessarily a bad beer, but it's just the other ones that we had were better. Mm-hmm. So, Cool. Exciting. I uh, Can't wait for the next 10. It'll be fun. Especially now that you told me that we've got some, uh, some stuff that we haven't tried before.
0: We've got some interesting stuff coming your way.
1: Amazing. Tell me all about Area 51.
0: Area 51. It is a highly classified United States Air Force facility located within the Nevada Test and Training Range. We've had this conversation before, Nevada, Nevada. Yeah,
1: that's right. You're not the, actually, you're not the only one who says Nevada. I've heard, since heard other people say Nevada. I don't know if it's the podcast listening to. I'm the only to, freak. But I don't know. I say Nevada, like a frickin' uh, Midwestern or, you know, Minnesotan. Minnesotan. Nevada.
0: Wow. Uh, the facility is officially called Homey Airport or Groom Lake after mm-hmm. the assault flat situated next to the airfield. Um, details of the facility's operations are not made public, but the USF, um, USAF says that it's an open training range. Mm-hmm. We don't trust the government. Okay, training range. We don't trust the government. Not at all. The intense secrecy. You're just sniffing the beer right now?
1: It smells so good. Okay.
0: Surrounding the base has made it the frequent subject of conspiracy theories and a central component of unidentified flying objects or UFOs. The base has never been declared a secret base, but all research and occurrences in Area 51 are top secret, sensitive, compartmented information, Mm. TS or SCI. The CIA publicly acknowledged the existence of the base for the first time on June 25th, 2013, so they didn't even acknowledge it before that. (laughs) Not until 2013,
1: <laughs> it did not exist according to them.
0: Following a, feed, a freedom of information um, act request filed in 2005. Oh wow! And at the same time, they declassified documents detailing the history and purpose of Area 51. If you're interested in where it's located, it's about 83 miles north northwest of Las Vegas. So you know, I'm going to be in Las Vegas in July.
1: Right, yeah, I was going to mention something. You're going to be in Nevada, so Nevada. You better, yeah, you better stop by. Make a trip. Take some photos. Same.
0: Uh The surrounding area is a popular tourist destination, including the small town of Rachel on the Extraterrestrial Highway.
1: Yep. I know a little bit about that town.
0: The original rectangular base of 6 by 10 miles is now part of the so-called Groom Box, a rectangular area measuring 23 by 25 miles of restricted airspace. The area is connected to the internal Nevada test site road network with paved roads leading south to Mercury and west to Yucca Flat leading northeast from the lake, the wide and well-maintained Groom Lake Road runs through a pass in the jumbled hills. Area 51 shares a border with the Yucca Flat region of the Nevada Test Site, the location of 739, oh, I'm sorry, 739 <laughs> of the 928 nuclear tests conducted by the United States Department of Energy hmm. at NTS. Wow. Groom Lake is a salt flat, like I mentioned, in Nevada, used for runways of the Nellis Bombing Range test site, on the north of the area. Of, uh, on, yeah, on the north of the Area 51 USAF military installation. Mm. The origin of the name Area 51 is unclear. It is believed to be from an Atomic Energy Commission numbering grid, although Area 51 is not part of this system. It is adjacent to Area 15. Another explanation is that 51 was used to, uh, because it was unlikely that the AEC would use the number, Atomic Energy Commission. According to the Central Intelligence Agency, yay, the correct names for the facility are Homie Airport hmm. and Groom Lake. Though okay. the name Area 51 was used in a CIA documentary from the Vietnam War. I'm sorry, document. My brain no work. <laughs> I was going to say documentary on the Vietnam War. Interesting. <laughs> the facility has also been referred to as Dreamland and Paradise Ranch. Oh. What was Michael Jackson's house called?
1: I don't know. It had a name.
0: Yeah. Neverland, I'm pretty sure. Neverland Ranch. I like that I asked the question and then answer my own question.
1: Neverland. <laughs> I don't know what's called a name.
0: <laughs> the USAF Public Relations has referred to the facility as an operating location near Groom Dry Lake. The special-use airspace around the field is referred to as Restricted Area 4808 North. Lead and silver were discovered in the southern part of the Groom Range in 1864, and the English company Groom Lead Mines Limited financed the Conception Mines in the 1870s, giving the district its name. There are nearby mines included called Maria, Willow, and White Lake.
1: I was wondering how it got the name, like, what was significant about 51, but...
0: Mm. Uh, the CIA established the Groom Lake Test Facility in April of 1955 for Project Aquatome.
1: My mom was uh, born. Oh, November alien. 55.
0: The development of the Lockheed U two strategic reconnaissance aircraft, Project Director Richard M. Bissell Jr. understood that the pl- flight test and pilot training programs could not be conducted at Edwards Air Force Base or Lockheed's I'm sorry, Lockheed's Palmdale facility, given the extreme secrecy surrounding the project. Hmm. He conducted a search for a suitable testing site for the U-2 under the same extreme security as the rest of the project. He notified Lockheed, who sent an inspection team out to Groom Lake. According to Lockheed's U-2 designer, Kelly Johnson, this is a quote, We flew over it, and within 30 seconds, you knew that was the place. It was right by a dry lake. Man alive, we looked at that lake and we all looked at each other. It was another Edwards. So we wheeled around, landed on the lake, taxied up to one end of it. It was a perfect natural landing field, as smooth as a billiard table without anything being done to it. The lake bed made an ideal strip for testing aircraft. And the uh, emigrant valleys, mountain ranges, and the NTS perimeter protected the site from visitors. Mm -hmm. It was about 100 miles north of Las Vegas. The CIA asked the AEC to acquire the land, designated Area 51, on the map and to add it to the Nevada test site. Johnson named the area Paradise Ranch to encourage workers to move to the new facility in the middle of nowhere, as the CIA later described it, and the name became shortened to The Ranch. On May 4, 1955, a survey team arrived at Groom Lake and laid out a 5,000-foot north-south runway on the southwest corner of the lake bed and designated a site for a base support facility. The ranch initially consisted of little more than a few shelters, workshops, and trailer homes in which to house its small team. A little over three months later, the base consisted of a single paved runway, three hangars, a control tower, and, a rudimentary, accommod- and rudimentary accommodations for test personnel. The base's few amenities included a movie theater and a volleyball court. Okay. There was also a mess hall, several wells, and fuel storage tanks. CIA, Air Force, and Lockheed personnel began arriving by July 1955. The ranch received its first U-2 delivery on July 24th of 1955 from Burbank on a C-124 Globemaster Master II cargo plane, accompanied by Lockheed technicians on a Douglas DC-3. These are all types of planes. Okay. <laughs> Regular military airport transport service flights were set up between Area 51 and Lockheed's offices in Burbank, California. To preserve secrecy, personnel flew to Nevada on Monday mornings and returned to California on Friday evenings. Project Oxcart, this is a new thing, was established in August 1959 for anti-radar studies, aerodynamic structural tests, and engineering designs, and all later worked on the Lockheed A-12. This included testing at Groom Lake, which had inadequate facilities consisting of buildings for only 150 people, a 5,000 foot asphalt runway, and limited fuel hangar and shop space. Groom Lake had received the name Area 51 when A12 test facility construction began in September of 1960, including a new 8,500 foot runway to replace the existing runway. Mm. Reynolds, uh, Reynolds Electrical and Engineering Company began construction on Project 51 on the 1st of October 1960 with double-shift construction schedules. The contractor upgraded base facilities and built a new 10,000-foot runway diagonally across the southwest corner of the lake bed. They marked an arch-median spiral on the dry lake approximately two miles across so that an A-12 pilot approaching the end of the overrun could abort instead of plunging into the sagebrush.
1: Well, that's good. Yes.
0: Who wants to go into the sagebrush? Not me. (laughs) The worst. Area 51 pilots called it the hook. For crosswind landings, they marked two unpaved airstrips on the dry lake bed. By August 1961, construction of the essential facilities was complete. Three surplus Navy hangars were erected on the base's north side, while Hangar 7 was new under construction. The original U-2 hangars were converted to maintenance and uh, machine shops. Facilities in the main um, area included workshops and buildings for storage and administration, a commissary, a control tower, a fire station and housing. The Navy also contributed more than uh, 130 surplus Babbitt duplex housing units for long-term occupancy uh, facilities. Older buildings were repaired, and additional facilities were constructed as necessary. A reservoir pond surrounded by trees served as a recreational area one mile north of the base. Other recreational facilities included a gymnasium, a movie theater, and a baseball diamond. Oh, wow. A permanent aircraft fuel tank farm was constructed by early 1962 for the special JP-7 fuel required by the A-12. Seven tanks were uh, constructed with a total capacity of 1,320,000 gallons. Security was enhanced for the arrival of Oxcart, and the small mine was closed in the Groom Basin. In January of 1962, the Federal Aviation Administration expanded the restricted airspace in the vicinity of Groom Lake, and the lakebed became the center of a 600-square-mile addition to restricted area R-4808 North. The CIA facility received eight USAF F-100 Voodoos for training, Voodoo. two <laughs> T-33 Shooting Star trainers for proficiency flying, a C-130 Hercules for cargo transport, a U-3A for administrative purposes, a helicopter for search and rescue, and a Cessna 180 for, um, what's the word? Oh, my God. L-I-A-S-I-O-N.
1: Liaison. Liaison.
0: (laughs) Use. And Lockheed provided an an F-104 Starfighter for use as a chase plane.
1: Because they're
0: chasing UFOs.
1: (laughs) Yep, that's what they're chasing.
0: The first A-12 test aircraft (laughs) Aircraft. (laughs) (laughs) was convertly trucked from Burbank on the 26th of February 1962 and arrived at Groom Lake on the 28th of February. It made its first flight the 26th of April 1962 when the base had over 1,000 personnel. Hmm. Most of the stuff that they go over and most of my notes is about aircrafts that are tested at this facility.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm not going to understand most of it, but.
0: <laughs> During the Cold War, one of the missions carried out by the United States was the test and evaluation of captured Soviet fighter aircraft. Beginning in the late 1960s and for several decades, Area 51 played host to an assortment of Soviet-built aircraft under the Have Donut, Have Drill, and Have Ferry programs.
1: Half Donut? Have, Have have donut
0: have drill is the name of the defense intelligence agency project uh, project whose purpose was to evaluate and exploit a MiG 17 Fresco from Israel and then the have donut hang on is another project to evaluate and exploit an MiG 21 Fishbed E that also was required acquired from Israel
1: so is this half like a half of a donut or have donut? to have Oh, I have donut.
0: As, if, as I was to have, I have. This I item. have
1: donut. Okay.
0: <laughs> the first MIGs flown in the United States were used to evaluate the aircraft in performance, technical, and operational compil- uh, compatibilities, pitting the types against U.S. fighters. Mm-hmm. In August of 1966, Iraqi Air Force fighter pilot Captain Munir Redfa defected, flying his MIG 21 to Israel after being ordered to attack Iraqi Kurd villages with napalm. His aircraft was transferred to Groom Lake in late 1967 for study. In 1968, the U.S. Air Force and Navy jointly formed the project that is known as Have Donut.
1: Have Donut. In
0: which Air Force Systems Command, ta- Tactical Air Command, and the U.S. Navy's Air Test and Evaluation Squadron Four flew this acquired Soviet-made aircraft in simulated air combat training. There's also Have Blue, Have Fairy. They're all based. They're all projects based off of like. Soviet-made air, uh, aircrafts that Why is it were have? tested. I don't know. They don't I say title. I have ferry.
1: I have donut.
0: I'm thinking that there was just a guy in a boardroom, and they were all meeting, <laughs> and they were like, what are we going to call this? And he just looked down at his hand, like mid-bite, and he's like, have donut? <laughs>
1: have donut. That's it,
0: Johnson. You're promoted. <laughs> Admiral.
1: <laughs> it's perfect.
0: You genius. <laughs> The United States government has provided minimal information regarding Area 51. The area surrounding the lake is permanently off limits to both civilian and normal military air traffic. What? Yeah. Wow. Security clearances are checked regularly. Cameras and weaponry are not allowed. Even military pirates...
1: (laughs) 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 Yarr! Let me in and see the
0: aliens. (laughs) But it's military pirates, so I'm thinking, like, (laughs) they're, like, really formal.
1: (laughs) The eye patch is camo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, the stump for the leg is an AR-15. <laughs> Even military pilots training in the NAFR risk disciplinary action hmm. if they they stray into the exclusionary box surrounding Groom's airspace. Mm-hmm. Surveillance is supplemented using buried motion sensors. Area 51 is a common destination for Janet, a small fleet of passenger aircraft operated on behalf of the Air Force to transport military personnel.
1: I thought it was just a woman named Janet. A woman named Janet. She
0: (laughs) She, comes out and hangs out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she just hangs around.
0: Janet, what are you doing here? We told you you can't be here. They're just like, dude, you don't know who that is. That's Janet. Let her in. Like, what are you doing?
1: This is your first day? (laughs)
0: Yeah, what is this? Embarrassing. What are you a pirate? <laughs> in 1994, five unnamed civilian contractors and the widows of contractors, mm. Walter Kazaz or Kazza, Kazza, mm. and Robert Frost, not the poet, sued the Air Force and the United States Environmental Protection Agency. They alleged that they had been present when large quantities of unknown chemicals had been burned in open pits and trenches at Groom. Rutgers University biochemists and analyzed, I'm sorry, analyzed uh, biopsies from the complainants and found high levels of dioxin, um furrin, hmm. and trichlor cl- cl- Trichlorethylene. Yeah. In their body fat.
1: Oh, I'm I'm <inaudible> assuming that those two things aren't generally common. <clears throat> Three things. Three things aren't generally common in a human body.
0: No. You'd be correct. <laughs> They're pollutants. Oh. The complaints alleged that they had sustained skin, liver, and respiratory injuries due to their work at Groom, and that this had contributed to the deaths of Frost and Kazaz. Caz, oh, wow. The suit sought compensation for the injuries, claiming that the Air Force had illegally handled toxic materials and that the EPA had failed in its duty to enforce the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, hmm. which governs the handling of dangerous materials. They also sought detailed information about the chemicals, hoping that this would facilitate the medical treatment of survivors. Mm -hmm. Congressman Lee H. Hamilton, former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, told 60 Minutes reporter Leslie Stahl, the Air Force is classifying all information about Area 51 in order to um, protect themselves from a lawsuit. Interesting. So in order to avoid a lawsuit, (laughs) we're going to classify (laughs) this. Sorry, we can't tell you what we burned in this pit because it's classified. It's classified, so you can't sue us. Yep, that's how it works. Loopholes. Embarrassing. The FBI agent that listens to this is going to be so upset. <laughs> I bet you his name is like Harris. Harris, I'm sorry. Sorry, bud. We're not. We're not challenging the government. Just we would never. We would never challenge the government. That's right, right, Zachary. Yeah,
1: of course, hundred percent.
0: We love it. And we love America. The government invoked the state secrets privilege, which. Is an evidentiary rule created by the United States legal precedent. Application of the privilege results in exclusion of evidence from a legal case based solely on affidavits submitted by the uh, government stating that the court proceedings might disclose sensitive information which might endanger national security. Hmm. They petitioned U.S. District Judge Philip Pro to disallow disclosure of classified documents or examination of secret witnesses, Mm -hmm. claiming that this would expose classified information and threaten national security. Right. Judge Pro rejected the government's argument, so President Bill Clinton issued a presidential determination exempting what it called the Air Force's operating location near Groom Lake, Nevada, from environmental of environmental disclosure laws. Consequently, Pro dismissed the suit due to lack of evidence. Hmm. Wild. The president annually issues a determination continuing the Groom exception, which is the only formal recognition that the government has ever given that Groom Lake is more than simply another uh, part of the Nellis complex. Yeah. So I'm going to go into this. uh, I have a few more things to cover. Yeah. Um, So as far as security of the base, the perimeter of the base is marked out by orange posts and patrolled by guards in white pickup trucks and camouflage fatigues. The guards are popularly referred to as camo dudes by enthusiasts. The guards will not answer questions about their employers. However, according to the New York Daily News, there are indications that they are employed through a contractor such as AECOM. Hmm. Signage around the base perimeter advises that deadly uh, force is authorized against trespassers. Technology is also heavily used to maintain the border of the base. This includes surveillance cameras and motion detectors. Some of these motion detectors are placed some distance away from the base on public land to notify guards of people approaching. On January 28th of 2019, an unidentified man drove through a security checkpoint near Mercury, Nevada in an att- apparent attempt to enter the base. Mm. After an eight-mile vehicle pursuit by base security, the man exited his vehicle carrying a cylindrical object and was shot dead.
1: A cylindrical object?
0: After refusing ab- uh, to obey requests to halt. Oh, wow. In 1974, Dwayne A. Day published Astronauts in Area 51, the Skylab Incident. In the Space Review, it was based on, I'm sorry, it was published in 2006. It was based on a memo written in 1974 to CIA Director William Colby by an unknown CIA official. Their memo reported that astronauts on board Skylab had inadvertently photographed a certain location. The name of the location was obscured, but the context led Day to believe that the subject was Groom Lake. Mm -hmm. Day argues that the CIA considered no other spot on Earth to be as sensitive as Groom Lake. The memo details debate between federal agencies regarding whether the images should be classified, with Department of Defense agencies arguing that it should, and NASA and the State Department arguing that it should not be classified. Mm -hmm. The memo itself questions the legality of retroactively retroactively classifying unclassified images.
1: I'm trying to think, like, I guess this was years ago when I was looking at... I fell down this rabbit hole, Area 51. I was looking at pictures and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure like on Google Maps or Google Earth, whatever satellite view, like the area around, like you can see Rachel and Las Vegas and, you know, it's very high quality images. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you like go over to Groom Lake, it's not as, you know, high quality. Um, There were a lot of details obscured from that area. I just looked it up now, and it's pretty... You can zoom in on a lot of shit, uh, so it's pretty high-def now. So I guess they've been a little more lax about, Hmm. you know, like aerial photography, satellite view. It's interesting.
0: Area 51 (laughs) has become a focus of modern conspiracy theories due to its secretive nature and connection to classified aircraft research. Theories include the storage, examination, and reverse engineering of crashed alien spacecraft... Of course. Including materials supposedly recovered at Roswell, the study of their occupants and the manufacture of aircraft based on technology from aliens, mm-hmm. meetings or joint undertakings with extraterrestrials, the development of exotic energy weapons.
1: I'm just imagining <laughs> they're all sitting around like a conference table.
0: A glass of water <laughs> in front of the alien, but the alien is like made of like space dust.
1: You got like five grays sitting on one side. A bunch oh of my god, the grays. Sitting on the other side. They're all just having a cordial grays. conversation.
0: That's that's actually my favorite alien type.
1: Yeah, I love the greys. Did we we covered aliens? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, the development of exotic energy weapons for the Strategic Defense, defense Initiative. Mm-hmm. I'm losing it. Or other weapons programs. The development of weather control. The development of time travel and teleportation technology. Sure. The ex- development of exotic propulsion systems related to the Aurora program, um, and it's, uh, the Aurora program is a rumored 1980s American reconnaissance aircraft. Oh, okay. Uh, many of the hypotheses concern underground facilities at Groom or at Papoose Lake, oh. which is 8.5 miles south. In the mid 1950s, civilian aircraft flew under 20,000 feet while military aircraft flew under 40,000 feet. The U 2 began flying at above 60,000 feet, and there was an increasing number of UFO sightings reports. Hmm. Sighting reports. Uh, Sightings occurred most often during early evening hours when airline pilots flying west saw the U 2's silver wings reflect the setting sun, giving the aircraft a fiery appearance. Mm -hmm. Many sightings, uh, many sighting reports came to the Air Force's Project Blue Book which investigated UFO sightings through air traffic controllers and letters to the government. The project checked U-2 and later Oxcart flight records to eliminate the majority of UFO reports that it received during the late 1950s and 1960s, although it could not reveal to the letter uh, writers the truth behind what they saw. Hmm. Similarly, veterans of experimental projects such as Ox- uh, Oxcart at Area 51 agree that their work inadvertently prompted many of the UFO sightings and other rumors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shape of Oxcart was unprecedented, with its wide disc-like fuselage, 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 designed to carry vast quantities of fuel. Commercial pilots cruising over Nevada at dusk would look up and see the bottom of Oxcart whiz by at two thousand plus miles per hour. The aircraft's titanium body, moving as fast as a bullet, would reflect the sun's rays in a way that could make anyone think UFO. Who wrote this? Harris. Oh yeah,
1: Lockheed. One of these.
0: Yeah. That looks like the um, aircraft from X-Men.
1: Oh, yeah. You know?
0: Um, Bob, I don't know if it's Lazar or Laser, but it'd be cool if it was Laser.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure. Uh, Jack actually, because when he was leaving this morning, he asked what the topic was. I said Area 51. He's like, look up Bob Lazar. And I, it's like, I recognize the name, but I don't, I haven't heard of him. I talk about him a little bit, very briefly in my section.
0: Bob Lazar claimed in 1989 that he had worked at Area 51, Sector 4,
1: mm-hmm.
0: said to be located underground inside the Papoose Range near Papoose Lake. Papoose. Papoose. He claimed that he was contracted to work with alien spacecrafts that the government had in its possession. That was it. Let's all go over. You can go over the rest. Yeah. So this is like the conception. Of Area 51. Okay. In the early 1950s, U.S. planes were conducting low-flying recon missions over the USSR, but there was constant worries of them being spotted and shot down. So in 1954, President Eisenhower authorized the development of a top-secret, high-altitude recon aircraft dubbed Project Aquatone. That's the U-2 or A-12 or whatever. I don't remember already. (laughs) The program required a remote location that wasn't easily accessible to civilians or spies, and Area 51 fit the bill perfectly. Spies. That was it. <laughs> Just why I was conceived.
1: Uh-huh. And by who. Sure. Makes sense.
0: That's it. That's it? That's it.
1: Okay. <clears throat> what do you believe? What I, do you think's going on there? I
0: believe in aliens.
1: Yeah? Or do you think there are like hows there? Think they're chilling there? I
0: would like to think that aliens are much more superior to us. Mm-hmm. And are, or more advanced because I would be very sad to think that we're the most technologically advanced yeah, species boring. in the universe. That'd be really boring. I would love to think that there's you suck space travel, time travel, right. teleportation. So for me, I don't think that the government would be able to capture anything. But that's just because I have a very sour view of the government.
1: <laughs> sure. You think they're out there, but the government, even what the technology that the government has, they can't. See
0: if they did, yeah. and if they release stuff and they're like, This is what we found, mm-hmm. you know, then awesome. Share away, it'd be great to finally, you know, hear about it. Mm-hmm. But I just have a hard time believing that we captured anything.
1: So, do you believe so? You don't believe that there's any aliens currently inhabiting Area 51? No,
0: right? maybe okay. they have like spacecrafts or something mm-hmm. like that crash to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, or we're placed there because aliens are like, let's see what they can do with this. Let's fuck with them a little. We keep stealing their cows to confuse them and we haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> I
1: like to think like the aliens have like old spaceships that are like going to be decommissioned. You know, they, they just got a grant, you know, from the alien government yes. to, you know, they have a new new budget, so maybe they have,
0: Earth is their dumping ground.
1: Exactly, so they have like a new <laughs> fleet of spaceships coming in. They got to do some of the old ones, so they like just send this one down in Nevada. Let's yes. see if the government will find it. Let's see and just observe. They'll be like, you know like, what? You know what?
0: <laughs> Those humans get really excited whenever they find any of our garbage. So let's just like make that a thing. And
1: that's like their entertainment. They're watching us from like way far away. They're
0: like, oh my god, that thing is like a million clongs old. <laughs> That's the measure of time for aliens. Our military
1: is like looking at the outside, and they're all laughing up there. They haven't even fucking found the secret compartment, and oh my god, they're fucking idiots.
0: They think that's the entrance, but really, it's the bathroom.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think there's definitely, definitely some obviously classified research going on there. Very sensitive. They don't want anything to to leak to the public because. I don't know, this is like new and upcoming shit. There's definitely stuff the government doesn't know that, or the government does know that we don't and God, probably will never so know. there's so
0: many secret societies yeah. and oh, so many government secrets that just aren't shared and it's so frustrating because yeah. it's like, come on!
1: And that's why people want to, you know, that, that's what attracts people to places like this.
0: You might even say it brings people to want to storm something.
1: <laughs> Funny you say, Paige! Huh, because hmm. my section is actually all about said incident. Interesting. Wow, how what did you know? What a small world. Crazy. I, I jotted this down. I meant to bring this up last episode, but one of my coworkers, Amy, um, she's really awesome. I love working with her. Ships with her are great.
0: Does Amy listen to the podcast?
1: I I don't know, but her husband, Bill, does.
0: Oh. <laughs> Okay.
1: Hi, Amy and Bill. Hi, Amy and Bill. And she she told me one shift uh, yesterday, or last week, told me one shift last week that um, Bill was listening to a couple of the episodes, and it kind of started to freak him out a little bit. And Amy was like, "Yeah, he he feels the need to like when he's listening, look behind him, and like make sure that you know, because it kind of it gives him chills, apparently." listening to some of our episodes, and I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. That's kind of what we want, you know? It's yeah. it's supposed to be comedic, but it's also... Some of the stuff is pretty spooky, so that's fine. I also
0: think that the spooky music
1: oh, yeah. very much helps. Definitely sets the tone. Um, so thanks, Bill, and uh, potentially Amy, for, for checking us out, listening. We appreciate it. Um, I won't need any spooky music for this, because it's not... Not very spooky at all. It's more uh, comedic and...
0: Maybe you should do campy music.
1: And lighthearted. Like...
0: Yeah, the whole,
1: th- whole fucking time, I'm sure that'd be great. So, this is uh, the headline. This Actually, Wikipedia has an article about it where I got all my info. It's called Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop All of Us.
0: <laughs> I love that. I joined that Facebook <clears throat> group when Did you? came. Of course!
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I missed it because I didn't have Facebook at the time, but I definitely heard about it. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening, you have too. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past few years. Or if
0: you're living in an alien spaceship.
1: Or if you're an alien, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This event took place on September 20th, 2019. This began as a satirical and sardonic Facebook event created by shitposter Maddie Roberts on June 27th, 2019. Wikipedia actually has an article for shitposting. Uh, it refers to posting aggressively, ironically, and of trollishly poor quality posts or content to an online form of social media. Shit posting.
0: Hmm. Sad that that's become something that requires a
1: Wikipedia article. Yeah. Well, kind of like it reminded me how um, tweet is in the dictionary now, oh, as okay. an actual word. So, yeah, shit posting has an actual Wikipedia article. <clears throat> so, Maddie Roberts devised the idea of creating the event after watching Area 51 conspiracy theorist Bob Lazar. Mm-hmm. And filmmaker Jeremy Corbel on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Oh shit. On june twentieth, twenty nineteen. We can only hope to be as successful as as Joe Rogan's podcast. Fucking
0: I've never listened to it and really? I don't really know who Joe Rogan is. I just know that he has a podcast.
1: There is And he's uh, bald. Yeah. He's bald and he's got a podcast. That's, That's really heart. all you need to know. That's about the him. only information I have. But uh, I- for whatever reason, his podcast became probably the most number one listened to podcast online. It's gotten pretty controversial uh, lately too, but it's some people really hate it. Some people think it's dumb, but a lot of people really like it. So Bob Lazar... You talked about him a little bit. I have just a couple bullet points about him. He's an American conspiracy theorist who claims to have been hired in the late 1980s to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology at what he described as a secret site called S-4, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. located several kilometers south of Area 51. He also claims he examined an alien craft that ran on an antimatter reactor powered by Element 115 as well as reading U.S. government briefing documents that described alien involvement in human affairs over the past 10,000 years. He has no evidence to support his core claim of alien technology, and he's been analyzed and rejected by skeptics and some yep. UFOologists. The event uh, that he created on Facebook was planned to take place in Armor, Amargoza, I, think I fucking spelled this wrong, Jesus Christ, typos. Oh no, I spelled it right. Amargosa Valley, A M A R G O S A Valley, uh, was planned to take place in Amargosa Valley from o three hundred to o six hundred Pacific Daylight Time on September twentieth, twenty nineteen. So very early in the morning. The Facebook event wrote, "If we Naruto run, we can move faster than their bullets. Let's see them aliens." <laughs> He asked Facebook users to band together and raid the site in search for extraterrestrial life that conspiracy lore claims Dude, may be concealed inside. can't shoot all of us. No, exactly. They that only was, got so many bullets. That was the idea. <laughs> Robert stated the event had only received about 40 responses three days into the event's listing before it suddenly and unexpectedly went viral. The resulting meme quickly spread to other social media uh, applications such as TikTok, at BeardFearcast, Reddit, or slash Beard and Instagram <laughs> at barefoot. <Beardfuck. laughs> so, spread all over the internet. The Facebook page for the event was filled with thousands of satirical posts discussing topics like means of breaking into Area 51. The memes virality, virality caused Roberts to worry that he would receive a visit from the FBI. Roberts also disavowed responsibility for any casualties had there been any actual attempt to raid the base. It's like, yeah, I'm not responsible if you're idiot enough to go in here and actually, like, try and break in. Not my problem. It received 2 million going and another 1.5 million interested signatures as of August 22. So that was um, June to August, so two months. Uh, over 3.5 million people had uh, reacted to the the post copycat events such as plans to storm a genealogical vault of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Loch Ness, Bermuda Triangle and the Vatican City's archives were also created.
0: Why would you need to storm Loch Ness?
1: I don't know, but remember I think we mentioned that in the Loch Ness episode that we did. Yes,
0: we did, but yeah. like why would you need to storm Loch Ness? <laughs> and I feel like I said the same thing. It's an open
1: It's just a body of water. It's an open yeah. lock. Yeah. They were like, hey, yeah, you can you can come visit. It's fine. But, you know, just be safe about it. <laughs> uh, on July 10th, speaking with the Washington Post, Air Force spokeswoman Laura McAndrew stated officials were aware of the event and issued a warning saying, quote, Area 51 is an open training range for the U.S. Air Force, and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces, adding that, quote, the U.S. Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its, its assets, Against itself. Yep. Watch (laughs) out.
0: Look, we'll protect America against its civilians. From you guys.
1: A public information officer at Nellis Air Force Base told KNPR, which is a radio station in Las Vegas, that any attempt to illegally access the area is highly discouraged. A viral Reddit post showed what it claimed to be an Air Force briefing on the Naruto run. Stop it. (laughs) The FBI also stated they would be monitoring the situation and the number of people that would come to the events. The events also prompted the FAA to post two temporary flight restrictions closing the airspace above to places nearby Area 51 during the days surrounding the planned raid. The Defense Visual Information Distribution Service, DVIDS, uh, which is the military's public relations office, made a Twitter post on September 20th, the day of the event, uh, depicting military personnel and B-2 stealth bomber with the caption, the last thing hashtag millennials will see if they attempt the hashtag Area 51 raid today.
0: That seems a little
1: dark and a little <laughs> weird for a tweet. The tweet was later deleted and the DVIDS issued an apology. In August 2019, Lincoln County officials drafted an emergency declaration and a plan to pull resources with the neighboring counties anticipating the region being overwhelmed by a crowd of 40,000 people. The county had just 184 hotel rooms and officials expected the local cell phone network to be unable to cope with the additional traffic. That's crazy. They also expressed concerns about overcrowding at campsites, gas stations, and mm. public medical facilities. County Sheriff Carrie Lee said an extra 300 paramedics and 150 police officers would be brought in from across Nevada. The town of Rachel posted a caution on its website advising attendees to be experienced in camping, hiking, and surviving in a harsh desert environment mm-hmm. and have a vehicle in good shape. Did you did you talk about Rachel?
0: No, not really. I just mentioned the town.
1: Yeah, they're, uh, they're the closest civilization that's, um, that's nearby Area 51. They're just a little bit like north-northeast of Area 51, and um, there are some private roads that you can take to access the Area 51 main entrance or back entrance if you wanted to. They're not public roads, um, but it is the closest spot. They've got some touristy things going on in Rachel, so... Hmm. They advised uh, that the town would likely be unable to provide sufficient food, water, or gas to visitors and expected local law enforcement to be overwhelmed. Business owners in and around the town with a usually normal population of only about 56 people wow. made preparations for visitors who planned to go into Area 51. Connie West, a cono- co-owner of the Little A Lee Inn,
0: Connie West.
1: Connie West. Not Kanye West. Not Kanye West. <laughs> And the Little Alien, it's A, uh, apostrophe L E, apostrophe N. Adorable. Little Alien. Restaurant and Inn had all 13 rooms of the Inn booked and planned to open up 30 acres for camping. Also, stating she would possibly create merchandise for the event. Other what? businesses around the U.S. Lucrative. Based products and services on the event. And a collection of merchandise related to the event was launched from online retailers.
0: I bet you that the dude that started this didn't see an ounce of that money. I well, just wait? Oh.
1: Uh, but this is, you know, capitalize on this shit. Of course. Of course you, know, you can make America. money on it. Uh, Bud Light planned to release a promotional alien-themed beer label and promised a free beer to, quote, any alien that makes it out, as long as a tweet showing the new design received 51,000 retweets. Area 51. 51,000. I, huh. I get that. I get that. Bud Light. Ugh. Beginning the day before the planned raid, people were reported to be showing up and camping around Rachel in preparation for the event. The Lincoln County Sheriff estimated that about 1,500 people showed up at the festivals, while about 150 people made the journey over several miles of rough roads to the back gate of Area 51. Mm -hmm. Some camped overnight outside the perimeter of the base, while others arrived to gather and take selfies near the front gate before leaving. One person attempted to enter the facility, and received a warning. While 6 don't do that. uh, uh, Get out. Watch yourself.
0: Okay. While six
1: others were arrested for crimes, including public urination, (laughs) alcohol-related offenses, and indecent exposure. Oh, Jesus Christ. Two music festivals were announced in the county in response to the event's popularity. Alien Stock, and Rachel, and Storm Area 51 Base Camp in Hiko, Nevada. Local governments and police feared that even these legal events could be problematic if too many individuals attended. Matty Roberts, uh, the guy who created this, pulled out of Alien Stock 10 days before the festival, Mm -hmm. leaving other organizers and booked entertainers to run the event. Roberts claimed his last-minute departure with $70,000 to $100,000 in sponsor- sponsorship money and donations mm. was due to poor planning, and he instead joined an alien-themed party already planned in Las Vegas, although Little Alien owner Connie West continued with the name Alien Stock in Rachel. Mm-hmm. Robert's lawyers sent her a cease and desist regarding use of the name, but West was in possession of all the Alien Stock permits and ignored the legal uh, threats. Yeah, for- So this guy... Made this Facebook post as a joke, and he ended up making 70000 to $100,000 yeah. um, from donations and spon- sponsorship money. It's incredible. Uh, after the raid, Keith Wright, a promoter for the Area 51 Base Camp event, that music festival, mm-hmm. stated that the event was a failure. Connie West, however, declared her event a success, her uh, alien stock event. Mm -hmm. The event's aftermath saw several pending lawsuits surrounding the festival and Robert's call to breach the government facility. Although much less than the estimated 30,000 attendees expected before Robert's departure and a press campaign claiming alien stock was canceled, the event was thought to have brought the largest influx of people ever to visit Lincoln County, Nevada. Interesting. That's all I got. Oh, okay. Short and sweet. Uh, Storm Area 51. (laughs) 3.5 <laughs> Three point five million people were either interested or, you know, going and They got busy. Uh still fifteen uh what was it, fifteen hundred people? That's still a lot of people. And uh, I wish I could have gone. It sounded like a lot of fun.
0: I want a Naruto run into a haze of bullets.
1: Where's um Let me try and pull this up.
0: Elixir says he's made the trip to Rachel Oh my own hat. <laughs> I like that they have a recording of his legs. Look at that oh stuff! My oh my god! Oh, he's, he's ready. Yeah, Stop it! I hope you came with friends. It's pretty great. Adorable. Anything else?
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: What did you think of the beard?
1: What did you think of the beard? That's what I asked. It was um. It was a pretty nice nice way to end uh you know this series of ten episodes. Nice uh, end cap, you know. I liked it. it was very smooth. Balanced. New England IPA. Hazy IPA, whatever you want to call it. Um, the hops were pleasant. It wasn't too much of one thing, you know. I think the one hop uh, beer kind of um, did it some justice. Simple, but also very, very exquisite. Very nice. Ex- exquisite. I dig it. Um a little bit more uh, enthusiasm than just it's good. You know, I'm, I'm a, a little bit more. Little trying, to, than that. trying yeah. to
0: mix it up now.
1: Yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was my number four. It was also your number four. It's delicious. Very good. I would definitely order another one. What about you?
0: I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a really good IPA or New England IPA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, very flavorful. Uh, the one hop, you know, a lot of the times they, with IPAs, it's just like, it's this hop, this hop, this hop, and this hop. And I get that it's to, you know, bring different flavor profiles together, but sometimes it's nice to be simple. Yes. And if you can get those good flavors coming out of, you know, just one hop in a well put together brew, then mm-hmm. I, this, this was good.
1: I agree. This was really well done. Yeah. Delicious. I liked it, I liked it more than some of our other New England IPAs. It was had.
0: very juicy. Oh. Pineapple was very obvious. But it still had that good hoppy bite. Yep. But not too much.
1: Yep. 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 Yep.
0: So I honestly I would probably have another one if I were to be a person that likes to drink multiple of one thing. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> yep, totally get it. What about you, soda? What did you think? All right.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the input. Yeah.
1: Uh beer and fearcast at gmail.com is our email. Send us uh send us anything you want.
0: Death threats.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll take just about anything. We're uh, desperate. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it on the show. Whatever it is. Yep, we will. <laughs> uh, we need more stories for Frights and Flights. We um, we I was talking to my friend Allison yesterday. Mm-hmm. She saw a ghost. Okay. She has a ghost encounter experience. Allison? So I uh, I was just like, Allison,
0: listen to the podcast.
1: I don't know. Even though it was very brief, um, she probably doesn't have a whole lot of, a lot to talk about. It would still be cool to get her input and you know, short yeah. little story, sweet story, and then uh, get a beer wreck. So I'll reach out to her. See if she wouldn't mind uh, sending some over. So any any ghost stories or encounters, paranormal encounters, just spooky things that happen to you in your life, doesn't even really need to involve a ghost, just something Mm -hmm. that you can't really explain, something that's mysterious or crazy, write a little bit about it, a little blurb, paragraph, whatever, send it our way to our email, and then recommend a beer with it. And we will read your story, shout you out on the show, and then try your beer in a flight of beers on a very special episode for freights and Flights, whenever that becomes a thing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Where, can, where can people find us, Paige?
0: On uh, multiple websites.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> On Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, um, soon to be TikTok, and then oh, yeah. Facebook. Am I missing anything?
1: I think that's all of them, yeah. TikTok. TikTok's the new one. Yes, soon to be TikTok. Trying to get in with the the young crowd. We're
0: getting in with the youths. <laughs> Not in a weird way. <laughs> in a respectable way. <laughs>
1: very polite mature and consent consent way yeah uh, yeah in,
0: in, in a way that's not
1: creepy <laughs> and then we're available on every every popular podcast platform wherever you get your podcasts we're available um so you can check us out and stay up to date with our podcast on our social media platforms but that is episode 40 another 10 down another, another 10 another 10 to go of beer and fear next uh next will be episode 50 oh my gosh yep that's a big one have to break out the trombone again oh hell yeah 100 nice. maybe i'll learn a song
0: <gasps> that'd be great we'll have to like theme the song around the
1: episode maybe i'll play the beer and fear like the 30 second music on my trombone i don't know how i'm gonna I'm do sure that your but i'll try that. <laughs>